This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm gonna choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. And we are live. Thanks for being with us here today. A little bit earlier session. It is uh, 4.30 p.m. here in Los Angeles. Brendan, where are you calling in from? Calling in from the same place as always, my mother's basement in Montreal, Canada, my friend. And I'm in my garage studio. And if I start beating up with sweat, it's because I don't have a good <laughs> air conditioning in here, which is part of the reason we do it a little bit later. We're just going to we're going to let you know all the inner workings of what we do. So I thought we'd keep it open and free. Anyone wants to contribute or bring up a topic of conversation. The first thing that I'd like to talk about is networking because it's top of mind. And I think about people like Jeff Harry. I'm so glad that I met Jeff because he is the quintessential connector. And what Jeff does so well, in fact, I've never met anyone do it as well as him, is he is able to connect the right people together. And he doesn't do it in a very haphazard or what I'll call like just basic way. He does it in a very meaningful way. When he writes an intro, you would think he's introducing you to the king. Like it is so thoughtful. It is so heartfelt. It is so genuine. And it is so clear why he believes the two of us should be connected. And he's done it not once, not twice, but I mean, I can't even keep track of how many people he's introduced me to. And the reason why I want to talk about this concept with you is that you do the same thing. In fact, I think you and he both such world-class connectors. So you're a 25-year-old guy. I wish I was the type of connector you are today when I was 25. Being 20 years your senior in age, 
I'm very impressed with the thoughtfulness that you have when it comes to not only just connecting, but meeting the right people. So talk to me a little bit about how you think about not only your own network, but how you serve your network by introducing them. Because we're a product of someone else connecting us. And so it's a great case study, but would love to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for me, networking is the core of what we do. And to be quite honest, if there's anyone who's a world-class connector, it's definitely Jeff, not me. I connect people, but I don't introduce them the way that he does. I just say, I introduced you to someone today. I was like, and my text is just, hey, you should meet this guy. <laughs> so even there's a lot for me that I can learn. I should probably screenshot what Jeff is sending and taking that as a lesson. But for me, Billy, you know, the reason I was able to network so effectively and learn those principles, when I was 21, 22 years old and I joined business school and I started doing competitions, I realized really quickly in those competitions that if you are not connected with the best competitors, if you're not in cahoots with the people who are super smart, super savvy, you can't learn as quickly and you can't team up with them for some of the bigger fish competitions. And that's what I learned working with my amazing teammates, Richard, Richard, and Sally, yeah, those two Richards, is those three were pretty much the creation of Master Talk. Those three people pushed me so hard on my communication to levels that most human beings just don't push themselves on, especially when it comes to communication skills, that I became the person I am today. So for me, there was always a direct benefit, selfish benefit, I would argue, to networking and connecting people. Because I've been someone who is a beneficiary of this gift, I want to share this gift with everyone else. So in many ways, I did get lucky. But the message that I want to share as a principle for everyone to get started is there's always somebody in the world who has achieved what you want to achieve in the world. And achievement doesn't mean a, you want to be a CEO of a big business. I know that's the context that most people set these types of things when we talk about achievement. But I also mean being a great father for your kids. I also mean being a great wife to a husband. I also mean being someone that people want to be around. Whatever the goal is, there's always another human being who has either accomplished it or has done it better than you have, which means by networking, you can unlock that skill set, that knowledge a lot faster and speed up the time that it takes for you to get those results. Well, I don't want to even imagine that alternative universe because it's not real. And you, my friend, are a gift. And I'm so grateful that I get to be by your side and enjoy the conversations that we have, learning and growing and continuing to challenge ourselves. So let's kind of break this down and really think about it piece by piece. So you hear this term, your network is your net worth. And it becomes almost cliche because you hear it so much. Like, yeah, 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 I get it. But why does that exist? Well, it exists because to your point, when you have people in your network that could unlock things that maybe you want to achieve and give you the playbook or the pathway or the insights or the knowledge to get from point A to point Z without having to stumble or crawl through all of the painful parts, you get to miss a lot of those. Maybe not all of them, but you get to miss a lot of them. So what is the first thing you're thinking about right now? You're super active on LinkedIn. And so one of the biggest benefits of being here is it is a playground for connection. There's no place better, let's face it, where everybody's on this platform who has done anything significant, unless you're like uber, uber celebrity status and you don't even need 
to have a LinkedIn page. Vast majority of people, whether you run a Fortune 500 company or you're an entrepreneur or you're a coach, a consultant, whatever it may be, a podcaster, you're on this platform. And so what are the things that you think about foundationally to help not only establish your own network, but as you start introducing people, what are you thinking about who you're introducing to others? What I would say is the big first one, because a lot of people, and I know you know this too, they're always focused on, you know, how much money are we going to make? How much goals are we going to achieve? For me, and especially you, the goal of networking has always been, is this actually fun? My relationship with you and many other people like you, who cares if I get a client out of it? It's just fun to talk to you. It's fun to engage. It's fun to exchange ideas. And that's the principle I want everyone else to embody. Because unfortunately, most human beings I've met in my life, they have friends, but they don't have people that are pushing them to the next level, just as a friend helping another friend out. So for me, the number one criteria I use for introductions is always, who are the top people in my network? Not from money, not from status, but rather level of service to other people, generosity, and just how cool they are as human beings. That's really the criteria for me. Because even if you meet Bill Gates, if Bill Gates doesn't want to help you, doesn't particularly like you, or has a personality that you don't know, I'm sure he's a good guy, what's the point of knowing Bill Gates? Versus knowing some other person who's really invested in your success, who might not be famous, but wants to see you win, I'd pick that friend any day over somebody else. So for me, the other piece that also matters is being strategic about who we select. Here's a good thought experiment for people. Let's say you meet somebody new every couple of days, which happens very rarely. Every year you might meet 100 people. And let's say you live for 50 more years from the age that you are today. So let's say I live until 75 from 25, and let's say you go from 43, 42 to 92. Every year, if you meet 100 people, you'll only get to meet 5,000 people. So my perspective is always, who do you want those 5,000 people to be? You've shared that before, and I like that framework. And as you're talking, the thing I'm thinking about is we only have so much time. That's the reality. Like literally, there's a clock ticking. We don't know what that clock is for each individual person, but there is a finite number of minutes, hours, days, weeks, months in our lifetime. And so when we spend time with somebody, we're not spending time with someone else. And it is a decision we have to make to figure out where we're spending our time. And so part of me wonders, like, how do we decide who we don't spend time with? And it may not be the easiest thing to handle because I think we're being super honest with ourselves and I've mentioned this before, we think about our friend group or we think about even our own family. One could argue that you you spend a lot of time and again, every situation is different. Some people absolutely love their family. Some people hate their family. Some people love their friends. Some people are you know, tired of their friends. And I don't think there's a cookie cutter answer, but how should we be thinking about the prioritization of our time and how it's allocated to other people? And I'll share one other thing before I let you give your thoughts on this. One of the things I think about is if somebody's introducing me to somebody, that's great. And I want that. At the same time, it's like, okay, how much time am I going to spend meeting this person? Will it be worth it? And so this is another thing we have to be thinking about as we introduce one person to another person, we want to make sure it's worth their time. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. The way I like to start things off, Billy, is what's the vision? What's the dream? What do you want to do in life? 
What do you aspire to be? And the reason that's so important for people to consider is based on that vision, you'll need different people around you. If your goal is just to get a job, you probably don't need to level up your network too much. But if you want to reach the top of the corporate ladder, if you want to have the best family ever, you want to be the best father, the best mother, or the best of anything, now networking becomes a lot more important. Because now, if you want to get to those levels, you need people around you who will then push you towards those levels. And the bigger the vision, and Lewis House talks about this so well, he says that no one really understands and internalizes the dark side of success. And the dark side of success means you have to leave people behind. And I know it's very sad to say that, but it's the truth. Because as you grow up, as you become more mature, and as you start winning, there will be people in your network guaranteed who will cheer you on. They'll go, hey, Billy, congrats on that promotion. Hey, Billy, love that you left this. Keep it up. But there's also going to be people who are jealous of your success. Why did he leave his corporate job? Why does he keep doing that? Why does he keep doing this? He's crazy. And you have to make a decision. Are those people more important? Or are your dreams more important? I have a rule, Billy, that's fairly dark, similar to Lewis's. I call it 95-5. And 95-5 means I have to delete 95% of my network as I keep climbing up in my goals. It's a very difficult thing. I haven't done it in the last two years because I don't feel the need to anymore because now everyone in my friend group is our growth friends. But when I started in high school, and when I went to college, I cut out 95% of my network because they weren't the people who are going to support me to the next level. And these are the tough decisions that we make. So how do we prioritize our time? To your question, we prioritize our vision, which then helps us prioritize our time. Look, he's right. It's not talked about because it's not comfortable. And people avoid getting in situations where they're not comfortable. They like doing what they're used to. And that could be familiar friendships, relationships that are convenient, that don't cause any uncomfort at all. But do they serve us? And so that's the question I think we all have to be asking ourselves is, is the relationship that we are in with X person, Y person, Z person, help us grow or get to the level that we want to get to if that's important to us. Because to your point, if you're not looking for work, if you're not looking to advance it, some people that's okay. And they just choose to maintain status quo. I think for the driver types, for the ambitious people, for the people that are exceptionally motivated, those are the people who do need to be somewhat aggressive with it's kind of like being in corporate. You got to make some decisions. Sometimes people need to go and you have to top grade is what they call it. And you got to top grade your network, meaning you're constantly bringing people in. And at the same time, some people are not going to be part of your network anymore, or at least not part of your active network, which is, brings me to my next topic here. And by the way, welcome anyone who's tuning in right now to share an insight, pose a question, add a comment, whatever. But one of the things I think about is this idea of your existing network versus your new network. So today I did what I've shared in previous episodes. I learned from Jordan Harbinger. When I say I learned it from him, basically broke down what I had been doing my whole life, but never really put words behind it, which is maintaining dormant and weak ties. Dormant and weak ties, meaning 
These are people who I have not spoken to in some time. I had a friendship or at least they were an acquaintance. And so I went back, get this. I have texts from 2014 still in my phone. So I went back all the way to the end. And sometimes I could decipher it by the previous text. Other times I can't. I say, who is this? I would love to know. I've started several conversations today with the sole purpose of really just finding out what they're up to. Because here's the thing, you never know what that could lead to. I mean, I was talking with the director of a previous company that I was partnered with. I was talking with some VPs. I would consider at times in my life, they were very instrumental and they were people that I admire, that I trust, that I look up to in a lot of ways. And I was just reigniting the conversation. While I've mentioned this in the past, doing it actively and proactively doing it, it really reminded me of this importance of your existing network. I would love to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, I have 30 plus years in a professional setting. I'm curious what your thoughts are about your existing network versus new people. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, for you, you're actively meeting new people. I got to be honest, like part of me, and I'm an extrovert, so I love meeting new people, but I feel it can be draining bringing new people in. I'm like, I can barely maintain what I have. So I'm curious how you're thinking about the makeup of new people in versus maintaining the existing relationships. You know, there's a great analogy as you were speaking that I heard from a guy named Tobias Lutke. And for those who know who Tobias is. I just like the way you say it. It's like you're a newscaster and you could just put the accent on the right word, but go ahead. Cause Brendan speaks eight languages for those that don't. Uh, no, I don't. I speak three. I could karaoke. In eight. You could karaoke. And that's it. That's good enough for me. You could karaoke in eight languages. So if anybody else can karaoke in eight languages, put it in the chat. Let us know those eight languages and <laughs> we'll give Brendan a run for his money. I'm sure there's some people in this chat who could definitely give me a run for my money. Tobias had an interesting quote. He made this article and in response to some people, for those who know, Shopify is like one of the biggest online stores in the world. They facilitate small businesses to create their own online stores. Huge business. Tobias said on record that we're not a family at Shopify because you can't fire your family. He said, similar to Netflix's founder, Reed Hastings, that we're a sports team. If you perform well on the sports team, you'll always stay. But if you don't perform well enough and somebody else is better, you're off the sports team. And I feel for some of us, not all of us, I think it's just a good example to explain through your question, I take my sports team really seriously. So that's the angle in which I'm speaking to. But does that mean I'm viciously cutting people out or a bit too old to play the sport? Not at all. Because people are forgetting of the sports team analogy that there's much more than just the players on the field. You have the mindset coach, the person who's leading you, your coach, right? Phil Jackson has been coaching basketball for so many years, right? There's different players on the sports team. So how do I see this? So the members of my sports team, the people who are actually going on the field, those are mostly new connections that I've built or people I'm going to town with. People like you, people like Vomsi, where I'm building the business with, where we're aggressive together. We're spending almost every day, spending a lot of time. But Notice how when I said 95.5, I didn't say 100.0. So who's that other 5%? The other 5% are the people that I never swap out. These are my coaches, hypothetical, right? These are my mindset coaches. And more specifically in the context of my life, these are the people I grew up with, right? These are people I knew for 10 years, five years. But even if they're not doing what I do, they still support me anyways. 
And those people are an essential piece to my success. And the reason is because they're a very good safety net in case something happens to my mental health, which happened last year, where I got hit really hard mentally. But because I got that 5% support system, family, cousins, you know, people who like I'm really tight with, known for five years plus, they push me back up, fix me up in like a week. And it's like nothing happened. And I just keep going. Right. But no one sees that on the front end. You just see a Brendan kind of just running the fence 24 seven, which isn't the case. So that's the way I see it, Billy, is the 5% of people don't keep negative people if you want to do big things. But that 5% really needs to be solid. Your kids, your close family, not all family members. Like in my case, I lucked out with my mom and sister. They don't luck out with other members of my family. Most of them I lucked out. And old friends that I've known since I was 19 that I grew up with, and they also remind me and tell me the truth always. So especially when people start complimenting you and you start getting more successful, that 5% becomes really useful because they ring your head back and go, hey, relax. You're just getting started. Okay, let's move this slowly. Let's be smart about this. So that's my thought. It's nice when you could count on those people to be truth tellers. We've talked about truth tellers before, and most people are afraid to be truthful because they don't want to hurt your feelings. It's not personal. It's not like they're trying to mislead you. But when you ask them for feedback nine times out of 10, they're going to give you positive feedback instead of constructive feedback on how you could get better. And to your point, you really need the critical feedback to make the strides towards wherever you want to go. So now you have your 5% and then you have the 95%. What are you doing proactively right now to grow your network yourself? And then the second part of that question is, what are you doing proactively to help your network meet other members of your network? So let's start with the first principle, which is the easiest tactic we'll share today, that if you implement, you're going to be way ahead of anyone in networking. I call this the top 10 rule. So the top 10 rule is make a list of the top 10 people in your network and introduce them to each other. So what this does is they get to meet other interesting people, but they'll then introduce you to the top 10 people they know. That's what happened in How I Met You, where I introduced Sam to Vamsi, a lot of my top people. And Sam said, oh, why don't you just meet this guy named Billy? And then the rest was history. So just because I made the decision to do the top 10 exercise, the rewards for that are almost immediate. So going back to the principle, you only get to meet 5,000 people in your lifetime and build a deep, meaningful relationship, even if 5,000 is a big number for most people. So I'm being very optimistic with 5,000. It's probably less, but let's run with that number for your whole life. You really want to be strategic about how you spend your time. And the best way to spend it is introductions from people you already like. Because chances are, if Billy's making an intro, that person is probably really cool. And I haven't been proven wrong so far, right? So that's the principle and the strategy. In terms of the other part of your question, Billy, around how do I cultivate networks? So me and Jordan Harbinger and yourself have different approaches to this. So there's no right or wrong I want to emphasize for people who are listening, but I'll give you my perspective. I personally don't spend too much time of re-bringing up dormant and less active ties. Because I'm more, my preference is more pick my top 25, my sports team, the people who are not on the bench, and just play with them all day. So like you, every time you call me, I pick up right away. I don't do that with everybody, right? I don't even call anybody, right? But I don't just invest. I triple invest. 
So for you, it's not just, oh, yeah, I'll pick up a call once in a while. It's like, I'll pick up every time. We'll do this. We'll do seven projects together, blah, 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 blah. But then I won't spend any time with dormant relationships. And the third piece is how do I build new relationships outside of the top 10 rule? Though I will argue the top 10 rule does feel 90% of my high quality connections. The other 10% comes from live events. So I invest thousands of dollars a year and I miss it. So I'm glad I'm back. I invest thousands of dollars a year. Some, I, I would even argue tens of thousands at this point, just flying out to events because people are super committed. And I know I'll meet one A player that will change my life every time I go to an event. Yeah. And I love that. And I think to your point, when you brought this up last time is when you go to a live event, these are the diehards. These are the committed people. These are the action takers, people that are investing in themselves, that believe in development and provided you're going to an event where you have like-minded people or at least people who have interests that are aligned, you're going to find countless people. It's like, talk about low-hanging fruit. While we're on the subject of fruit, one of the things that I like to think about, and I mentioned this to a friend today, is I think of all of my friends like a big apple orchard. And every friend is like a tree. And in order for the tree to bear fruit, I need to water it. I need to nurture it. I need to make sure it's taken care of. I need to let it know that I it still exist, that I'm still here. And so when I reconnect with a dormant or weak tie, it's kind of like shaking the tree. Hey, I'm still here. And when that happens, every now and then some apples will drop. And I could pick up that apple, shine it up and say, hey, this is a great shiny new apple. That apple is an analogy for opportunity. Maybe that the opportunity is not even for me. Maybe it's for somebody else or maybe it's for them. Maybe I will open up a door for them to get a new job. Or maybe I will open up a door for them to have a new business venture or a new partnership or another person in their own network. And so I think the thing we should be thinking about, and part of the reason that I do what I do is because I have such a big network. I mean, it's it's literally going to take me months, if not years, to to go back. Even if I did 10 or 15 a day, it takes me a long time to reconnect with everybody because, you know, these conversations going back and forth. But it does help to treat it that way. And it's interesting, too, because next week, thanks to you, I'm interviewing Bob Berg, author of The Go-Giver, which to me is quintessential book that highlights the power of giving and giving without feeling like you should get something back instantaneously or you're doing it with the sole intention of giving and you're basically doing it with selfish motives. I mean, if you just give and give unconditionally and that's your priority, that's your focus, things will come back. It shouldn't be done in a self-serving or selfish way. We're going to probably wrap up in about five, 10 minutes here. So I want to kind of stir the pot a little bit and think about what are some misconceptions or some commonly held beliefs in the networking space that we want to dispel or that we want to have a, a counterpoint of view on. So what stands out in your mind? If there's a commonly held belief that exists in the world of networking, connecting, that most people would say is true, what do you think may be an opposite point of view that you believe in? That's a beautiful question, man. For me, I would say the big thing is the way most people communicate the benefits of networking is wrong. So whenever you hear that in business school or on LinkedIn or any platform, it's, Billy, you need to network. Your network is your net worth. The more hands you shake, the more money you make. 
I'm not saying none of that is untrue. I don't think it's polar opposite. But what I would argue is your priority people should be meeting people you just personally like spending time with. I couldn't care less if Billy worked at Tesla, if he had a podcast, whatever. I just liked the guy. And that is heavily misunderstood because when we go after titles and status and all these things, not only are you building a disingenuous relationship, but you're building a building without a strong foundation. So it doesn't matter if you end up getting something from them. The building eventually is going to fall apart. When things get hard, when things get challenging, that person's going to run for the fences. They couldn't care less about you. So for me, the focus has always been, who are the people that will actually help me do something important with the mission that I have? Even if it's in small ways, I'm sure you can relate to this. There's people I've met that I'm sure a lot of people would like to meet. And then I'd be 10 minutes in this conversation. I'm like, wow, these person is just focusing on that. They're not really paying attention to other people. saying so without calling anyone in particular, but the point I want to drive, and this is what I think people miss, is that the gold, the juice, the magic are the people next to you. Not the people seven levels above you. Not the Lewis Houses, the Gary V's. They're hard to reach. It's the people who are one level above you, one level below you, whatever those levels are, they're arbitrary. The people you have access to that you're just really excited about, and that's how you win. Think about me, man. I didn't work with the number one communication coach in the world and get direct mentorship from them to become the communication expert I am today. That's not what happened. I met three people who were just crazy obsessed with presentations. Nobody knew who they were. We all came from really poor families, not great backgrounds. We all wanted to succeed in life, but we all loved each other. We all stayed in like some guy's apartment. We'd study all night. We'd work together. I wouldn't trade that friendship that I have with those five people. That's in my 5% foundation, right? For anybody, those people are my most important people. And that's something that I need to constantly remind myself of. Well, I don't do it as much anymore. I know that. And that's what I encourage all of you to do. Don't focus on the shiny object. Focus on the people that have already invested into you and ask yourself, how can I triple down on these incredible human beings? And how can I meet just five more people like that? Because if I do that, man, will I be successful in life? You know, what's crazy too, is that when you meet someone, you don't know when you meet them, that meeting them could literally change your life. It literally could be one of the most life altering relationships that you've ever had. It could be that you start a business because of them. It could be that you start a new job because of them. It could be that you never know. You meet somebody in a relationship. Like so many different things happen because of people and people drive decisions that we make. They drive experiences that we have. It really becomes the gateway or the catalyst to the chapters of our life. And so one of the things that we talked about as it relates to content, which seems out of place in this conversation. But when we think of content, we think, okay, the Gary Vee approach is go with quantity over. And if you do quantity, quality will happen because you do it over and over again. So the question that I want to debate or have a combo on mm -hmm. is, should we be thinking about networking the same way? Should we be thinking about, cause you're saying like, Hey, double down on the people you're strong with and totally agree with that. And you also mentioned shake this many hands. And you're saying, you know, that those are cliches that we really shouldn't be focused on. So if that's the case, can one make an argument that they will get better at networking the more they do it, the more people they meet? Therefore, they should take the same approach, the Gary Vee approach to content, 
take that same approach to networking or not? What are your thoughts? I find it funny that you say the word debate. Since when have we disagreed on anything since we've met? <laughs> so it's, it's probably just a conversation. But to your point, Billy, there's a lot of interesting things there. Here's one thing that came to mind that I, I've actually never told you that I was thinking about the last couple of weeks, which is look at the data. Because for me, the goal is for everyone on this call to get 80% of the result. If out of this conversation, you get one high value relationship, you know, you meet somebody really amazing, that's a huge win for me. So the question is always, let's reverse engineer that. What's the easiest way to do this? So one is look at the data. So one exercise I have for everyone, this is very nerdy, very Brendan, is look at the last three years and ask yourself who was the best relationship and ask yourself who the source of that relationship was. So 2019 was Bamsi Polimetla, who's my business partner. If I never met him, I'd still be in corporate. 2020, lucky you, it was you, right? It was Billy. And that was that was the intro from Sam. It was an introduction. And this year, it was Leanne Dreesey, who's the vice president at a learning and development company. She's an absolute amazing person. I talked to her for like two minutes, and I knew I was already in love with her. So when I look at that data, Billy, it's already clear that 66% or 70% of all of the number one person I met in each year was from an introduction. But the other 30% was from a live event. Nobody introduced me to Vamsi. I actually had to meet him in person at the event and shake his hand. So what does this tell us? For most people who are listening, I would say go for the easy win. Honestly, I think the top 10 rule will immediately get you the result. Part two is more for the crazy people like me and Billy or some other crazy people on the call who want to get the full value is go to every source. So if 70%, when you think about that exercise, who was your best in 2019, who was your best in 2020, and who was your best in 2021, ask yourself, do, should I go explore all of those sources or should I just do one or the second? That's the way I see it in general. But for me as a summary, I'll do both. So I'll do high value relation. I'm always asking for introductions, not for business, just want to talk to interesting people. And the other pieces I invest heavily in live events with the hopes of meeting another Vamsi. We could have a whole episode on this, but what people don't get is I didn't magically meet you. Like it wasn't that Sam just magically appeared and said, oh, you and Brendan need to connect. The better question that we all need to ask yourself that nobody's asking right now is how did I meet Sam? Because if I never met Sam, there's no way I would have ever met Billy. So now the question is, to Billy's question around quantity versus quality, how did I meet Sam? I'll tell you what I did. I went on this website called matchmaker.fm, which is a podcasting site where you can meet podcast hosts. But here's the thing, everyone. There's like 2,000 podcasts on this website. How many podcasts did I pitch? The answer, 2,000. I pitched all 2,000. I got on 400 interviews. And out of those 400 entries, think about that's a lot of hours, right? I'm spending like 30 minutes to an hour on each one. And out of those 400 interviews, I met one Sam Kamani who ended up becoming a lifelong friend. And that one Sam Kamani led to Billy Samoa Salibi. I'm just using it as an example because it's easy for people since a lot of people know you because you're famous on LinkedIn. But the point I want to drive, does quantity really lead to quality? The short answer is yes, but the long answer is I don't recommend it for 99 percent of people who are listening because it's really exhausting and it's only for crazy people like me. 
I love it, man. Well, we're going to wrap up here shortly, but Raymond Salibi, thanks for joining and great name, by the way. You love this discussion and you're wondering what you want to contribute is how do you become the person to influence others positively? That is an important question. So let's ponder on that. I'm going to do a framework in a moment. And Brendan, I want you to do a framework to wrap up, but let's address this question first. How do you become the person to influence others positively? It all starts with what does positivity mean to you? Because what's great about networking or really anything in life is there's a hundred ways of doing anything. hundred ways. You could be more positive by shaking somebody's hand. You could be more positive by carrying somebody's groceries. You could be more positive by sharing thought leadership that changes the world. There's a hundred different ways of playing this game. Or you could be like Jeff Harry. Jeff Harry's both, right? He's an amazing thought leader, but he's also a great connector. But even if he was just a connector, that alone is still impacting people positively. And this is something I still think about to this day, is in what specific ways, in what detailed ways, do I want to impact others positively? And for me, it's not just one thing. Right, Public speaking is one of them from a thought leadership perspective, but it's also introducing cool people to other cool people. And it's trying to be a decent member of my family, even if I work most of the time. It's all about figuring out what are those ways and how you want to be positive. And I think it's an excellent thought-provoking question that we should definitely spend more time on and just making that list for ourselves. And that's a good action item for me to do after this wrapped up. Love that, man. And I think about this question, the thing that I ponder on is this idea of modeling behavior. And we trained people at Tesla. One of the things we did, we trained sales leaders and we talked about the importance of modeling what you want. And you don't need to look much further than your own house if you have children to understand the value and the importance of modeled behavior. And I think the same holds true with life, whether you're a leader in a company or you are a friend family member, somebody that has visibility because of influence on social media, people are watching what you do. And I believe the best way to influence people is to do the things and behave in the way in which others can gain because of your influence through your action. Actions are what help to drive results And actions are what people look for when they're trying to do anything in life. They look at what you do. So as an example, when Jeff Harry sends me an email, and in that email, he introduces me to somebody in such a beautiful, heartwarming, and genuine way, he's modeling a positive behavior, a positive action that I can then say, you know what? I need to do more of that too. So I think fundamentally, as human beings, We have two things going. On one hand, and these are kind of polar opposite things, on one hand, we get overly consumed by comparison and thinking that everybody is evaluating us. On the other end of the spectrum, people do watch us and they do look at us, but they look at us because they want to see what we're doing well and they want to copy those things. They may look for judgment reasons. And if that's the case, let them because it shouldn't influence you. I would look at it more like think of your actions and the way in which you conduct and carry yourself as a way for you to show other people 
what you've learned, what you've developed, how you've grown, how you have learned, and as a result, made decisions in your life to do and act in certain ways. I gave one example, which, you know, a connection email, it goes well beyond that. It's how do you talk to your kids? It's how do you have a one-on-one conversation? So when I have a one-on-one conversation as a leader at Tesla, every time I do that, I'm modeling what I think those leaders should do with their teams. You know, as a manager of managers, you get afforded that ability to model the type of behavior that you think others should have. So for me, I think modeling comes down to the essence of creates the type of influence. And so here's where we're going to wrap up because we do need to close down. I'm going to do a quick framework and I always love doing frameworks. So I call this the 333. And so as we think about growing our network, building our network and pouring into our network, there's three things that you could do three times each. So it's like a multiplier effect. So the first thing is how about you focus every single day on introducing three people to someone else? It's not a lot, but imagine you do that for a year. That's a thousand people. So you introduce three people every day. That's the multiplier effect. And obviously that's another way for you to positively influence other people. That's the first thing. The second three is find three people in your network that you haven't spoken to in a long time and reach out to them. But when you reach out to them, this is the important part. Don't allow yourself to do or say something that could be perceived as you wanting something. So you got to be really casual. Hey, just seeing how you're doing. It's been a long time. No rush. This is the key part. No rush or, or, you know, get back when you can. Would love to know what you're up to. That sort of thing. Super casual. And I say less is more. So don't write a long text, a sentence. Hey, is this still you, Brian? Is this still you, Tom? Blah, blah, blah. It's Billy. And then, yeah, it still is. Oh, great. Just check in my phone, you know, and this is true. A lot of names have disappeared. So if you have something like that, then you could easily use that as a way to reconnect. So that's the second three. The third three is how can you look at your network and decide who you're going to spend time with that day? And so find three people who maybe you talk to more regularly. It's not somebody you haven't talked to in a long time, but how, as you look at your phone, look at your most recent connections and ask yourself in the morning, who of the last 20, 30 people, who would be the type of person that I should talk to today? And whether that be through phone or through text, but basically what you're doing is you're connecting people. That's the first three. The second three is you're warming up the weak or dormant ties. And the last three is you're continuing to maintain the people that are most meaningful in your life. And if you do those three things and you do them daily, it's small actions multiplied over time that yield massive results. So that's the 333 framework. I'm going to pass it to Brendan for a final framework and then we will go from there. And I don't know who said this. It's been a long time since we spoke. Love the podcast. Thank you. It says LinkedIn user. So put your name in. Let me know who that is. Brendan, what about you, man? First of all, let me just say that was a great framework. I think that's a great way for people to implement the ideas in a simple way. Here's my version of your framework, which is make a list of the top 10 people in your network. It doesn't have to be about money, status. You just find them personally interesting. The only criteria I would use is the amount of hours that you would spend with those individuals. So for me, it's people like you, people like Bomsi, people like Sam, and naming those 10 people. Number two, introduce those people to each other. 
introduce number two to number seven, introduce number one to number 10, introduce number five to number seven, and make sure all of those 10 people know each other and know each other well. And number three is figure out ways every single week on how you can triple down on those 10 people. So I have a notepad on my phone called the value list and I have different categories of people and not specific ranks though. It's really just lists and I won't go through all of it. It's too complicated for today because there's like seven different things. But one of them is the value list. So the value list is who are those top 10 people? And I'm always looking at the list every week. So if I haven't spoken to Billy in like five days, which happens very rarely at this point, let's say it happens. I go, oh, I got to check in on Billy. But I don't do that with anyone outside of my top 10. So that's more my approach. And for people who are listening, what's great about this is me and Billy are kind of like this different sides of the same coin. You can apply both of what we said. Apply what Billy said and also start thinking about how to value the people who are already people you admire, who are already invested into you and what you can do for them moving forward. And it's so funny to me that like slightly different ways of thinking of something very similar and that's the thing is that figure out what works for you. I think if I could leave everybody with one final thought is think of it dating. You never want to come on too strong. And people, especially if you haven't talked to them in a really long time, people are naturally skeptical. They're guarded and their wall is up. And so the way in which you overcome that is you got to be casual. You can't be overly eager and you got to treat it. Be confident, you know, be confident and casual. It's the same thing that I used to tell all the salespeople that I would work with. Part of the reason I had success in sales is that I was confident and casual. Confident meaning I believe in myself. I have a bit of swagger, they say. And the swagger doesn't mean that I'm arrogant. <laughs> it means that I have a sense of self-worth and belief in myself. And the casualness is everybody wants to be treated like a human being. They want to have somebody that can have a conversation in a it's like you're at a backyard barbecue. And when you have a conversation in that way where it's super chill, super casual, people will lower their wall. They'll feel more comfortable. And the best way to do that is to be genuinely interested, not just show genuine interested, be genuinely interested in other people. And the more inquisitive you are, guess what? They will become inquisitive of you. And so rather than you beat them over the head with everything you're doing and how great all of your accomplishments are and all these different things, instead, ask them about them. And this goes with new relationships. This goes with old relationships. It goes with existing relationships. There will be some people who are very selfish and they rarely ask about you and that's okay. That's on them. Don't focus on what you don't control. Focus on what you do control. And one of the things you control is how you can show and be genuine and curious about other people and what's going on in their world. So with that, I want to thank you all for being here, for being part of Insight Live. We do this almost daily. And so we are excited to continue the conversation. Thanks to Tony Zoller, my friend from college for being here, and Raymond, my long lost cousin, David and Saki, and so many other people that were able to pop in and out. We love hearing from you. And thank you for all the warm messages that we've been receiving. Thank you for letting us know that this show's impacted you. We're still figuring it out. We love having these conversations. And until next time, we hope you all make it a great one. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. 
If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.